installment of the fifth column podcast this is your weekly rhetorical assault in the news cycle the people that make it and occasionally ourselves i am camille foster i do various things at a place called Freethink, and i do them so exceptionally well and you know this and i'm delighted to be here with you i'm also delighted to be joined by two extraordinary gentlemen two this week matt welch editor-at-large reason magazine in the building in the well, he's in his building, <laughs> anyways, because we're doing the thing via Zoom. That's what happens. Yeah. It's, yeah. The, it's the pandemic era, fifth column, still the infamous fifth column. Um, and Michael Moynihan, who still does things at Vice News for some reason, they keep him around. Um, gentlemen, it is wonderful <laughs> to be associated and affiliated with both of you. I'm so in this excited that Megyn Kelly is going to be on the podcast tonight. Oh, <laughs> she's not, but it would be great if she was. Did you? No, did you it's hear- going to be Andrea Tanteros. <laughs> oh no! Well, we, well, I, do you remember I, I, her? Did that lawsuit ever resolve? Which what? lawsuit? Oh. oh, Tanteros was suing Fox for like five quadrillion dollars. Oh, everybody was involved. Like who had ever even spoken to her? Wait, no, was, was I was I involved? No, weirdly, you were not. Uh, and uh, and other Thank mutual God. friends were not. But uh, uh, no, it was right around the time of the Me Too and mm. the Roger Ailes stuff, which we people out there in Listenerville. Um, again, there is no level of uh, Patreon subscription high enough to. <laughs> to unlock the premium content of the five minutes before we start talking. (laughs) There was a lot of Roger Ailes. There was a lot of Megyn Kelly. Can I just just point out, I will let, if you subscribe to the Patreon, I'll tell you the rest of it. (laughs) But I did call Camille Black Roger Ailes. Yes, he did. Just as a palate cleanser. By the way, you've gone from Black Ron Paul to Black Roger Ailes. There was another one in there too. I can't remember what the other one was. Only only racists actually think it's funny when all you do is just append black to the front of oh, something it's and then literally not wrong. charge at me. It is it is literally the funniest thing yeah. you could possibly say. And so what saying, it's Moynihan Moynihan I'm not is saying that it's not seventy five percent of our <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Come and here, as I come <laughs> here, you you love Megan Kelly so much. You you ugly. I do. You I ugly. do. I'm not you gonna love her. You love her. I do. I do. You love do you, her. Can I tell you what I love most? Why you love her so much? Let me tell you what I love. Because she is not afraid to give Mm-mm. you the business. Nope. She had Mark Cuban on her podcast. Yep. And she talked to Mark Cuban about China, and she had him on the ropes. Oh, really? An like idiot. It was beautiful. And oh, I, don't, so, I, don't have any, I don't have any personal animus uh, towards Mr. Cuban, but I do, in fact, think it's pretty repugnant the way many people affiliated with the NBA have refused, refused to come out strongly, it's, it's, strongly is a real word, but when I say it, I feel like Donald Trump. Yeah. Um, and, and issue strong condemnations of the Chinese government in terms of their treatment of Hong Kong. Mm. And it, especially after a summer of the NBA going super woke and being so committed to issues of justice. He uh, did save an NBA star. It's just extraordinary. He did save a former NBA star at a gas station. So there is that. Who what? who did? Sorry, what? Mark Cuban. Remember he, the, the guy who he? I think he played for Dallas. That he was like, 
like hanging around the gas station smoking crack or something are we talking oh. delante west oh yeah delante west yeah no i don't think he saved him Did well he, he, save he him? showed up in his car and like you know let him into his car i wouldn't let that guy into my well, car oh <laughs> i don't i didn't even i didn't know Super that tall yeah delante yeah, had a lot yeah of no trouble. just because he's tall that's the only reason yeah and not because he'd been smoking crack all day um yeah. I, he's like the hunter biden of that gas station <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, which by the way just rumors i don't know i don't know well, rumors which, which rumors which rumors detail the, the, them, I, I just it's a rumor that that picture <laughs> exists of, of of hunter biden with a crack pipe in his mouth is it a crack pipe or it's not? just a glass pipe i mean who knows who okay. knows but by the way um all this shit is so funny because um this will be kind of some stuff coming out i talked to steve bannon again uh, yesterday that the, the, how, how right, often right before, do you talk to steve bannon in yeah no kidding I, I, I we live together actually <laughs> um, <laughs> i just wanted I, to get that out there part, part, yeah. part of the pre-roll and this and this is true listeners part of the pre-roll of the the subscription tier that you don't have access to was moynihan talking about his quote-unquote special hotel room in chicago go on michael <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yes, yeah i had to get a hotel room for steve bannon um it's totally true well no we because i had talked about this before that we had we had talked for this film that we're making and and um talk to him and then and, and, and uh yeah it's just no one will see this film either i'm also exactly. making a separate film that has nothing to do with steve Bannon, but um <laughs> private film that i'm making which will be on the laptop that i drop off at my favorite computer repair shop in delaware <laughs> um, so because i because i you know i was going to say something really bad about spilling yeah. something on the laptop but um <laughs> but that's what happened right? the maga fix it repair shop so the right? maga oh, fix yeah, it yeah, yeah. um yeah. um <laughs> Jim will fix it. So, so uh, we talked to him, and and then um, a couple of days later, this Biden stuff happened. And of course, I'm like, I got to follow up. So I was in Chicago for like you know eight hours, and then um, he could do a, a, a Skype call. Wouldn't do Zoom, by the way. China, um, totally true. By the way, he would just have to do Skype. So basically, know just like like that. Yeah. So the, so the New York City uh, Department of Education. Yeah. Same. Awesome. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Um, so they have a lot in common with Steve Bannon. Uh, so I called him up. And of course, like the opening question was like, I literally was like, what the fuck, dude? I'm in there. You didn't tell me about this shit. Like, what is wrong with you? You could have told. I, I would have loved that if you told me about what's going did on you, with this Biden stuff. If you're saying what the fuck, dude, did you at least drop a little bit of asshole accent? Yeah, dude. I'm fucking uh, I'm uh, I'm I'm super like he's super working class. He literally tell you Goldman Sachs, <laughs> Seinfeld royalties, you know, working class shit. Uh, so no, we we talked and and um, we talked about this uh, this uh, Biden uh, stuff, and uh, it was pretty interesting. It was uh, we'll be using some of it for the film, but you know, it 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 uh, he was he was really on fire, and just I couldn't get a word in endwise. I kept on trying to like shut him down, and uh, but he had some uh, pretty cr crazy policy prescriptions for Twitter. Uh, still, apparently, it's still apparently true. So Camille, it means you have to edit this like tonight and get it out tomorrow. So it'll still be true that uh, the New York Post is still locked out of his Twitter account. Right? Yeah, we're recording this on, I think, a Friday night. Yeah. Um, they all bleed in uh, to one another. And the New York Post's original story about Hunter Biden came out on last Wednesday. Yeah. So it's nine days, eight and a half days or so uh, since it came out. And the NY Post uh, Twitter account, which is a great Twitter account, by the way. Oh. All sorts you of good stuff. You don't have to like the post. You can hate the post, whatever. But like 
they know how to have a Twitter account for a tabloid newspaper. They just like pump stuff that's really fun. You want to click on constantly. That's been locked out for eight yeah. and a half days. Kind of at this point without yeah. explanation, as far as I know. And, wow. and you know, and you know what's really strange, and I'm sure you guys are really shocked by this. There's really not a lot of high dudgeon from the the journalism community that a a uh, uh, mainstream, very large newspaper, fifth uh, largest in the country, fifth largest in the country, maybe the oldest, close uh, to being yeah, the oldest. Yeah, in the that's, country. that's always pointed out the Alexander Hamilton uh, connection. And uh, uh, they think they're not allowed on Twitter. No well, one's like, be, hey, that's a bit weird. Well, must be, the last tweet is nine days ago, like no. October 14th. Yeah. Damn. That's extraordinary. Yeah. Oof. And this is not like this is not leading the, the, the news on the you know, media watch television programs or the columns and things like that. That's not what people are talking about. Granted, there's, you know, it's a target-rich environment, to be sure, mm-hmm. uh, but that's pretty weird, Is right? Stelter, did Stelter talk about it on Sunday, on his tele- television program that he has on the television network, CNN? I didn't watch uh, that program on Sunday. Because you know why they won't talk about it, right? Because then they have to address that there's an actual story that exists, and they're not, they don't want anyone to Well, know I mean, if you didn't watch it, then well, we can't say no, no, for no, sure I, they I, I, no, he, To be clear, definitely, he definitely spoke about it. Um, I've just Googled it, and I see yeah. breaking down the New York Post story on Hunter Biden. Okay, yeah, so, and to be clear, I wasn't talking about um, Brian in particular. I was just, mm-hmm. people don't want to engage in the debate about it, because, like, there was a thing on NBC, which was, like, like the dumbest thing I ever read. And there's at one point, it was like, we will not summarize what the New York Post story says because it will like give it credence and we'll actually be reporting. Like, because the thing is, is that now we've gone <laughs> because of this fake threat in this case of Russian disinformation, is that you can't even say that this story is a bad story. This is a story that exists and it's not a good story and it doesn't withstand scrutiny. They're saying you can't even know about it because it's too close to an election. I mean, this is the Citizens United of uh, Twitter, right? Is, you know, this is too close to an election. You can't have this out there. And even to knock it down is to give it oxygen. And in 2020, you're not even allowed to talk about it. Because that's well, what you in, do, right? It's a bad story. And, and here's in why. In fairness, Moynihan, uh, like uh, the Wall Street Journal, for example, yesterday, mm-hmm. again, that would be Thursday, yeah. uh, Kimberly Strassel on the op-ed page, um, broke some new bits from this story and then and then the actual page a few hours later the actual news pages the wall street journal came out with a story that was way way more um uh circumspect i'm suddenly lost confidence in pronouncing it wasn't i i didn't find it very convincing because like i'm also to, to the the big point of this is that you know the joe biden connection otherwise who cares you know his son is a scumbag i mean that's fairly obvious and it's been known for some time and the new yorker did a profile of him ages ago in which it asked him like is it weird to get like a diamond <laughs> an eighty thousand dollar diamond from a chinese businessman and he's like it was worth 10 grand and yeah. it was like the whole thing was <laughs> was like he's that's a, weird he's yeah it's a, a weird. one and, grand diamond yeah, from a chinese I mean, businessman if you have the last name of a sitting vice president yes, is really fucking it's a big weird. deal it's really weird yeah it's a, yeah. Big, it's a big deal so the, oh, it's big the, deal, it's there's weird. nothing that um has convinced me at all that there's any the tie to, to, to Vice President Biden, presidential candidate Biden. I mean, that's the tie that these guys are trying to make. And it's not, I'm not convinced of any of that at the, at the moment. It seems very tenuous. But the, is, is, that, is that because you, you don't agree 
with the sourcing or no, no, not that. Okay. Well, well, um, cause I mean, there's some of the emails that do seem to indicate that there is at least some revenue sharing that's taking place and a reference to the big guy. Proposed to be proposed. Yeah, we don't. But know the, the, the Wall Street Journal reporting, I well, I thought was pretty convincing that the mm-hmm. big guy wasn't Joe Biden in this case. Okay. Um, yeah. And and also in this in, in general, and, and I said this when I was on uh, Fox Business Network with Maria Bartiromo, who's been one of the mo- the bigger oxygen spreaders uh, on this story, is like twelve, thirteen days before an election, whatever, two weeks before an election to get this and do, and to get like reporting and it's important reporting mm-hmm. um but that there has been an investigation that at some point the FBI has launched we're not sure who the target is uh we don't know like what the import is but it's out there like it's really and and to have that happen and leaked by you know uh uh famed uh microphone uh unhooker uh Rudy Giuliani and Steve Bannon who has some um, uh, backstory of his own uh, at, through the New York Post within two weeks of an election, there's reason to not immediately jump to conclusions about it, like to wait for, for things about it to to settle out, um, not like to sit on your hands and pretend it doesn't exist and suppress the story and to say a bunch of nonsense about Russian uh, disinformation. That's not what I'm saying, but like, uh, like to jump to all the conclusions, um, you know, I was on uh, that same <laughs> I was on I was like the guy who's on for three hours, uh, uh, but which is really weird in the Zoom environment and the Skype environment. So like you're not sitting on the couch. You're just like sort of sitting at home trying mm-hmm. to hide the, your mullet and, uh, and <laughs> looking into the camera and your penis. And your penis like uh, if you're a- <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm wearing camouflage shorts <laughs> as we speak. So it was it was that bad. Uh, they had Donald Trump Jr. on. And, uh, and Were you I on really, with him? I, sadly, I couldn't cross examine, but like, uh, I was like, a uh, like the sitting panelist for three hours. He was on, uh, at some point and he brought up, you know, the Russian disinformation and the Mueller campaign. Mm-hmm. I mean, he brought up so many things in, in such a short period of time. I just want to know what flavor of coffee he drinks at seven o'clock in the morning, because I've never spoken as fast as he did uh at that point anyways um but uh he was like in one hand like decrying the way that this story has been dismissed by journalists and other people as russian disinformation and i totally agree with him there and then immediately like and biden and the entire corrupt biden family whose corruption outstrips the clinton family and he wouldn't of course say outstrips uh by a huge factor um they're on the payroll of all kinds of foreign enemies. So like let's let's decry the uh, terrible conspiracy mongering of the people who are uh, accusing this of being Russian disinformation and then immediately say that Joe Biden is on the payroll of all of the communists. Um it's uh it's it's tremendous and there, I think so there is reason to not jump to conclusions just because that you know uh, I've seen a lot of people including in our universe say well you know because Biden hasn't denied the existence of the emails, well, that means something. Yes, it does mean that he hasn't denied the existence of the emails. That doesn't necessarily mean that he is the big guy. Like everybody wants to to connect the tissue, and there isn't connective tissue yet, as far as I can tell. What, what, what's interesting, though, is that you know the Russia disinformation narrative mm-hmm. is important. And the reason it's important, because otherwise, how do you justify, as Twitter or Facebook, 
not allowing journalists, not allowing average people uh, to retweet the story, and not allowing the New York Post back onto your platform. Because if it is not Russian disinformation, what you're saying is we are the arbiters of the interpretation of this story, and we don't think your interpretation is correct, so therefore you can no longer be on our platform. I don't find that as scary as uh, some people do. Um, I find it very... Um, I, th I think it's insane. I mean, I just, I don't think it presages, you know, some techno fascism. I think people, if, if they had the guts would leave Twitter and, you know, just go somewhere else, start posting somewhere else because, you know, I do think it's nuts. I mean, what is the justification at this point if they say, well, we're not going to spread foreign propaganda, right? If that's the case, by the way, you should be banning RT from the platform because i mean obviously they're spend, uh, spreading russian propaganda can you spread russian propaganda if you're russian if you're american working for rt and the employee of the russians i mean is that okay because that's what the entire staff of rt and sputnik are doing but what if you're the new york post and somebody decides based on what by the way they, who is saying because the only people that are jumping to conclusions here are steve bannon and those people and the people at, at, at twitter and facebook are jumping to the conclusion that this has the hallmarks, all the hallmarks. And by the way, is there any more of a weasel phrase than all of the hallmarks of? It mm. means none of the evidence of. And if somebody <laughs> came out and said, well, the Russians had, there was some foreign you know, intelligence organization that had um, something to do with this. That, well, I wouldn't be surprised. Why would I be surprised? That would be a pretty, a pretty smart thing to do. But I do think it actually, uh, like, Unlike Matt, I do think it is important that nobody has said that these are not real because um, and I think that there was somebody, a campaign spokesman who was on Fox who basically acknowledged that they weren't fake at one point. Um, I don't know how high up she was. And, you know, there's been some, you know, debate over whether the FBI has has uh, said that they are not or they have no information that this is that this is Russian, et cetera. There are other people who are involved in this that have confirmed that those emails are, are real. Um, it's the interpretation of them, of course. And yeah, but I don't trust half of these characters. I mean, who is the, this guy, the fucking Baba Booey, whatever the hell his name is that they got into? <laughs> Bobolinsky. Bobolinsky. Um, that, you know, that was going to be the Juanita Brondrick of this debate. And that kind of fell flat. One um, thing I want to, let, let me uh, pitch it to Camille because I'm, uh, I'm genuinely curious uh, uh, about uh, where you stand on this is, that um, to Moynihan's point of uh, Twitter putting itself in this kind of position to judge the import of this story, you hang out increasingly on Doghouse and other places Camille, <laughs> um, with people who are skeptical about the censorious hands. Brett Weinstein, our friend, mm -hmm. uh, was uh, he might still be like kicked off of, I think, Facebook. He's, he's back is. now. He's back now. It happened yeah. to Julie Borowski, a kind of libertarian commentator. Um, I think that in certainly her case and maybe his, I'm not sure, it was like a question of they tuned their instruments in such a way, you know, it's like a huge thing with lots of people in it. And so mm -hmm. if they get enough complaints, like stuff gets triggered. Um, but like when you see this happening, um, there is uh, there's a universe of people right now who say, um, you know, Sean Lennon who I've been trying to browbeat to get on this podcast for a long time. And I think we got close yesterday, but got it's still close. never uh -huh. going to happen. Yeah. Um, uh, it's like, you know, <laughs> the techno fascists are the biggest threat to freedom right now. Um, 
what's your take on that critique, Camille Foster? Well, I, I will say that I, I have talked to to some of these folks about this, and Sean they, Lennon mostly, not Sean actually, but but tell him other, Into the Sun people. is a super great record. I don't want to really I don't want to betray anyone's confidence here. Yeah. But Donnie I, I Harrison, talked to some people, I and, and I will say that you know there are plenty of people who are skeptical of the the sort of narrative that's been rolled out by a Facebook who says, you know, and one in one breath that it was our, you know, algorithm or our, our flagging system that looks for kind of nefarious content that automatically got you here. Um, and you know, we'll, we'll reverse the decision. And in other instances have said thing has said things to, um, Eric, um, not Eric, but Brett, uh, along the lines of, well, no, this got flagged. We reviewed it. There's nothing to talk about. Um, so you'll get sort of inconsistent um, statements, and then they'll sort of reverse course within some period of time, say 24 hours or something like that, and say, oh, we're sorry, it was a mistake. And it it can be rather hard for someone to say that I can accept, you know, that with any kind of credibility, your explanation for what went on here. And the question becomes, are, are people lying to you? Is there some sort of concerted effort to, to try and stop you in order to suppress whatever impact you may be having on the election? And it might be worth saying the specific issue here is that Brett uh, Weinstein has been, um, or Weinstein, right? Not Weinstein, uh, I, Weinstein. Brett no Weinstein. <laughs> it's Weinstein. Brett Weinstein has been doing this, what, Unity 2020, I believe is the name of the campaign, where he's trying to draft different people to run for office. And I won't sort of get into the science behind all of that, or at least the thinking um, behind all of that. Um, And for whatever reason, this Unity 2020 program has found itself uh, in the crosshairs of both Twitter and Facebook at different intervals because they will flag it and say, well, this is content that we we won't allow on a platform. but the fact of the matter is that Facebook and Twitter have both spent a tremendous amount of money in recent years as a result of the last presidential election and all of the concern about meddling and interference from foreign actors that is imagined to have taken place. Um, they've spent a tremendous amount of money dis- creating these massive bureaucracies that are responsible for policing content on their site. And in, in most instances, these bureaucracies are really independent of the leadership of these organizations. So when you get a statement from Jack on Twitter, or Jack Dorsey at Twitter, that is criti- critical of the folks who are responsible for making these decisions, and he says, look, the, the statements that you've gotten from us about this censorship that's taken place in the New York Post, of the New York Post, is bullshit, shouldn't be this way. We did it. We did a bad job. We need to fix it. Um, I'd say that there's probably some truth to that. The The challenge, however, is that, yeah, nine days later, the New York Post website is still um, or the New York Post Twitter account is still locked down. Um, and that is disconcerting. Um, now, like you, Moynihan, my my position on this is not that this is a sort of a grave injustice that you know has to be remedied right away, that, that somehow or another, the New York Post simply can't communicate with its audience. And this is a huge breach of free speech. I don't think that's true. The New York Post is still publishing stories. The, the fact that this has happened to the extent that there are audiences that care about a story like this, they're, they're gaining access to it. And the Streisand effect is very real and I think is kind of playing its part here. 
Um, the the fact is that also a lot of these stories have been chewed over. Like the the role of Hunter Biden um, in this uh, this scandal with the Ukrainian power company is something that has been talked about at length during the president's impeachment, which fe- which feels like it was twenty years ago, but was barely a year ago. Um, and most people have heard a lot of this stuff, and thus far, the details in the emails aren't necessarily shedding a great deal of light on that particular story, Him, at least in terms of pertinent new information that concretely you know, demonstrates that there was some sort of wrongdoing on the part of the Bidens. I'm going to posit a theory that just uh, occurred to me, so it's going to be real, real strong, um, <laughs> uh, which is that uh, Facebook and Twitter being, you know, some of the biggest, I don't know, you know, if, if uh, Twitter can compete with TikTok at the end of the day or even Instagram, but um, some of the biggest social media sites, you know, they depend on consumers to both consume and to add content are therefore, um, you know, some of the biggest instruments of democracy, like by the definition of it, right? This is just a bunch of people doing stuff. And as such, they reflect where we are going and are and have been as a culture and that direction is to both engage in free speech, but also to be completely alarmist and 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 cuckoo bananas about it, to conflate speech with violence, to advocate people get shut down. And it's not just like randos advocating people to get shut down. It's journalism professors mm-hmm. a- advocating that people who work for the White House, including the president of the United States, have their accounts blocked. Right. Yeah, which happened, right? Kaylee McEnany had her account like suspended for uh, some period of time. Um, mm-hmm. We have we are in a more censorious culture, and in particular, I think um, the left and uh, also the journalistic class has been browbeating since the 2016 election because they didn't like how that played out and the perceived role of Facebook in that. And remember when Cambridge Analytica like just ruled over the the world like a colossus until it didn't, and then everyone forgot about it. Uh, so there's this 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 sense, right? And so as a public company that's dragged up in front of Congress ritually, and again, it's going to happen this week. Um, you know, every every uh, few months at this point. Um, so you feel the public pressure, the political pressure, the journalistic pressure, and all that stuff. Um, this is this is what that's going to look like. And the thing that that uh, bothers me to no end is that the solution uh, in the political sphere from both Donald Trump and Joe Biden, let's be absolutely clear about from fucking Ted Cruz and fucking Elizabeth Warren. The solution is to rewrite Section 230, the Communications Decency Act of 1996, which is written before there were social media companies Mm -hmm. to write that in such a way to encourage more fucking censorship. Mm -hmm. Right. So, like, uh, what they're doing right now is this is in the form of a question. I'm sorry for the wind up. Is that maybe they're just being responsive to what assholes we're all being about how much we want to use free speech as a weapon to beat the other guy in the head? I, a quick thing on that is that um, it, it, it's a result of their success, right? I mean, there there is a, a, a very, very sort of irritating thing that's happening. That what when Alex Jones was deplatformed and when Milo Yiannopoulos was deplatformed, 
it was successful, right? I mean, that's what people say. And, and they're not wrong. You barely hear from these guys anymore and you, you know, cut them off at the knees. And this was, you know, pernicious uh, information and, and pernicious ideas that were infecting the minds of otherwise sort of innocent, lovely Americans who just, you know, all of a sudden were like, I, I believe in 9-11 truth because I, you know, I got of the YouTube algorithm. And it's because we have total contempt for Americans and particularly journalists have total contempt for Americans. They can't handle information that, um, you know, we need, to, we need to label it at all points that it's propaganda. We have to label it that it's this, that, and the other, because otherwise they'll just believe it and go walking around like zombies. Before Twitter and before Facebook, there you can go back and look at all the opinion polls. There's so many different opinion polls, and they're always thumb on the scale in one direction about 9-11 truth. This is prior to Alex Jones having a big um, online audience. And somehow you would get 40% of people, 50% of people, 60% at sometimes said, hmm, likely, maybe, possible that the United States government had foreknowledge or was involved or there were explosives or however sure. the phrase. You know, this, the big myth now is once that the, the Alex Jones thing happened, the Milo Yiannopoulos thing happened, journalists, they don't say anything anymore because those are bad people and bad ideas that infect people and we deal in truth and they do not, right? There's this binary thing, we're truth and they are not. And now as these things go, I don't believe that either of those uh, people, Milo Yiannopoulos or Alex Jones, are usually within the zip code of truth. I mean, they're just out there and, you know, but, but, but my response to that is, so what? So what? You know, Miley Yiannopoulos half the time is talking about, you know, fighting these contrived free speech battles that, that he kind of, you know, creates and, you know, starts a fight and then, and then, you know, puts it online kind of thing. But you know, that's boring. So what? You know, he was on Bill Maher's show. Okay. So what? How many people were convinced by Miley Yiannopoulos? He went away. But do you think, Honestly, that if you shut all these people down, you shut all this bad information down because we don't know that this is Russian uh, disinformation. So we are actually what what these tech companies are doing and particularly Twitter are doing is saying we are going to prevent you from from reading this dodgy story. And therefore, you won't have bad ideas in your head and pull the lever for the wrong guy. That is what this is about. It's about nothing more than that. And they think that, like, you know, that, that by, by controlling this, I mean, the, the other thing is that the inflation of, of, of QAnon. I mean, QAnon, mm -hmm. you know, you can frame questions to say, like, you know, is pedophilia a big deal? I'll tell you what, motherfuckers, in the time of Jeffrey Epstein, you're going to get a lot of people that say, yeah, it's a big deal. Bill Clinton's on a plane, pedophilia, blah, blah, blah. That is not some out of nowhere QAnon banana shit. I mean, there are people that have a lot of conspiracy theories about Epstein, and I've been very clear in this show, and as uh, we've talked about it a lot, and like the kind that of he was, uh, he was, he was murdered, murdered and, and all this stuff, right? You're confident he was murdered, right? I'm, you're I'm on record as <laughs> supporting that. that I'm confident he was murdered by Chelsea Clinton. Um, <laughs> yes. I'm coming out with information on this. It's on a hard drive that I found in my basement, my own with hard drive with the candlestick <laughs> yeah. in the hotel room in, in, the, hotel, <laughs> in the Bannon suite <laughs> of the O'Hare Holiday Inn. Oh, but, God. but but honestly though is it it is he named it it is like that is actually not the real one but um that <laughs> is, like Q, the QAnon stuff why if it's such horrible misinformation we don't want people to know about it. we have to block these stories and block these people from platforms QAnon people are being taken off um, Facebook and you know big massive you know elimination of QAnon people who are all like psychopaths right they're all just like nutty 
what I've heard of this and I've heard a little about it, they just sound like people who have mental illnesses. Okay, great. But they're doing this in such a way. Okay, so why are we hearing about it so much if we can't hear about the Biden thing? We can't hear about that. It's, it's misinformation. But we're hearing about what QAnon's talking about all the time because there's no election that QAnon is going to be elected, right? So there's no there's no threat in that way. A couple, but, couple of candidates. Couple well, of candidates. Yeah, yeah, well, that 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 is true. Yeah, that is true. There's a couple of candidates, and and I mean, let's see if they get to their primaries or if they actually get to to, to Congress. And if they do, how long they last? I mean, you know, Mike Gravel was a 9/11 truther. We had 9/11 truthers in Congress. We have batshit people in there all the time. Ho hum, nothing new there. But the reason that you have to talk about QAnon all the time is because it allows you to petition and say, look, we just got these people knocked offline. I mean, I've seen journalistic organizations and journalists say this. The people that we're talking about our piece are no longer on Facebook. They're no longer on Twitter. Now they are gone. So you talk about this stuff ad infinitum because then it allows the, the story to get out there that this stuff is a poison that is, it is you know, racing through the body politic and we need an antidote to it. We need Moderna to come up with a vaccine against QAnon. I, uh, and there's a lot of bullshit polls. There's a lot of probably f- perfectly fine polls. I don't believe from what I've seen that this stuff is as widely held maybe as people seem to think it is. And I think there's a reason that people want that to be true. There's you say a, as, as, as widely held as people seem to think it is, but I don't know that it's, it's people so journalists. much as journalists <laughs> yes. in particular, journalists. like people, people on the left in particular, um, who have a very profound, profoundly outsized, um, imagining of exactly what these phenomena are and how many people are tracking them and, and care about them in any sort of material way. They're fucking um, lunatics. And, I mean, they're and, just and lunatics. I, and I, and I wanted to, to the QAnon the people. Com- <laughs> yeah. Not the journalists. Yes. I mean, they're probably, um, and, and, and they're marginal. I mean, yes, there's, there's marginal no one who cares about this nonsense, um, with, but I wanted to broaden the some, conversation about with some actual political candidates for office. Who with might some, win. yes, no, there's no doubt about it. Sure. But like, true story. You but can count them on one hand. That's exactly right. Which is, let me just interject something. They're lunatics and it's bad that lunatics find themselves getting into office, but lots of people have lots of dodgy ideas. But uh, let me just interject something. In, in a vowed socialist making it into, co- in, into Congress probably bothers me about as much <laughs> as a QAnon nut making it into Congress. And someone may say that's false equivalence. And I would say, fuck you, go look at the gulags. I don't think it's false. Equivalence. Wow. 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 Well, I, I also don't think that if one shithead that believes in those ridiculous QAnon things gets into Congress, that there's going to be a groundswell no. of legislation Un- that unlikely. is QAnon focused. But let me just say this, because I know that the, the counterpoint to Matt's, to Matt's point, and I just want to like protect myself in this sense of that. I know that Donald Trump, was asked about it and said, you know, they seem like patriots or something, right? But I think that he also has said nine different things about this because he's Donald Trump. Uh-huh. And to the point that is often that is often made in this podcast, where I often make, is that Donald Trump supports anybody who supports him. So once he's told that you're, you have these fans who are QAnon people, he's going to defend them no matter what. And I don't believe that Donald Trump himself is peddling QAnon conspiracy theories. I'm not sure. I haven't heard it. But right. um if he did, I still don't think it's meaningful because yeah. the guy will fucking say anything. This is, this he is will true. literally say anything. Beyond the Twitter conversation, though, beyond the conversation about whether or not the platforms themselves are bad and dangerous and this is a grave threat to, to democracy, yada, 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 I am, I am not convinced of that. And I think some people want to, to hear a, a, a longer sort of exposition on that. And perhaps we can come back to that. But 
I do think it's worth paying some attention to the de facto media blackout on the Biden story with respect to the hard drives and the degree to which people are simply not touching this story. Um, we, we've talked a little bit about, I think we at least alluded to this list of like 50 former intelligence officials who have said, this is a bullshit story. This is sort of Russian misinformation campaign. Um, what, what do you all make of that sort of cons- that, that effort, which seems coordinated, but I don't think it is explicitly coordinated so much as just kind of emerge an emergent reality that most media outlets aren't interested in touching this beyond saying that there's something dodgy going on here. Um, well, I, I, I think it's important not to conflate yet another 50, you know, security, defense, whatever, foreign policy, um, intellectual, say X, you know, it's just like when uh, Amy you know, Coney such Barrett- such a good track record. Uh, <laughs> All these uh, During the Barrett uh, confirmation hearings, it was like, oh, 75 former Notre Dame professors say that she's a monster. And like none <laughs> of them came from the law school. So it's like, uh, you know, that's not super relevant. Uh, we know that there's a whole bunch of people in the foreign policy establishment, including a bunch of Republicans who hate Donald Trump. Sure. They hate, they hate him um, for a mix of reasons. Uh, one of them for sure is his grotesque comportment and all of the awful ways that he acts every single day of the week, every hour of the day, um, and et cetera. And also um, because he says things, including some things that I tend to agree with, or at least uh, are more on the side of him than they are uh, about America's role in the world or America's you know, um, enthusiasm for various foreign conflagrations. That's not what the journalism is about this. Uh, what I get concerned with is when people um, uh, who are journalists or who are people uh, who are commentators in the journalistic sphere um, sort of immediately say or even coach Joe Biden to not answer questions about this. Um, that's not the role here. I think mm-hmm. that this story is likely to be much less uh, interesting or much less um, momentous, uh, relevant um, than the great unmasking scandal of two months ago that kind of fizzled um, when people actually talked about it, although it led Fox News for something like six weeks. That's yeah. all that everyone wanted yeah. to talk about. Um, uh, I have grown to, and this is a, a confession as much as a, like a brag, um, you know, whatever Mark Meadows or Jim Jordan is excited about, um, this week, um, if you had to s- devote your attention to like figure out whether there is justification for it or not, um, that's all you would be doing your entire life. Just as um, if you did the same thing, if you know you're you know getting excited about everything that Seth Abramson, whatever his name is, um, the poetry professor who is a, suddenly an expert on something, <laughs> uh, is talking about Donald Trump. Like you just don't have the bandwidth to adjudicate all of these things. And occasionally you will miss stuff that's important. I really doubt that this Hunter Biden thing is important at all. I think that there are, um, and the Wall Street Journal uh, news piece that referenced before was a first initial stab at this. I saw a Fox News reporter uh, in the building um, talk about going through the various emails and coming up with his or her conclusions about it, which are much less heavy breathing than the opinion side of Fox News was happening. And again, this is all happening two weeks before the election. 
um, that I, the timing I don't think is accidental. And it's not, I, and and, yeah. and and I think that that um, there is for sure a, a tendency, and it's gross and should be called out among. Uh, quite a few individuals within journalism to say, oh, this is terrible. We have to make sure we don't talk about this. But for instance, David Folkenflik, who's a reporter, a media reporter at NPR, um, uh, he uh, uh, did a piece, uh, uh, and you know, I like him because he's an Angels fan, obviously, but he did a piece about uh, uh, 24 hours ago. And again, this is Friday night. Um, but like talking about the context of a, a variety of things about the story. Without like investigating the story, but he's doing it as a media report. It was a, a super valuable thing. It ended up being very skeptical about the story, but it provided a whole bunch of context that is useful. I think that news organizations will do that, but they will do that. And this is the damning part. I think they will do that slowly and with their teeth clenched. Um, and the same thing happened with John Edwards. We forget about it now. And this is kind of funny because a friend of mine was sort of involved with this. Um, but, uh, Back in what was it, 2006, Moynihan? Like 2007? Yes. Seven, to, to, probably. Uh, uh, wait, the, the, the scandal that really broke with him. Right. That and was that, 2008, actually. That right? first, I don't re remember where that first bubbled up, but it was also kind of in the more kind of conservative mm -hmm. uh, media. It was more fever swampy. In its, it's National Enquirer. That's where it was. Yes. Um, the National Enquirer, uh, he's got a baby mama story, and people are like, ah, you know, we're not going to do. We're not going to like follow the National Enquirer. Come on, are you kidding? We're a, we're serious journalism, and serious journalism, as they did with the Monica Lewinsky story at first, um, because they had that instinct, and also probably it was the L.A. Times had punted on that initially, right? It was, and again, I I said I had friends involved with this, and we'll try to yeah. keep it mum. <laughs> um, uh, they they did, and uh, and and you know they say, hey, we do real. Uh, Dean Baquet was the uh, was the. Uh, uh, editor-in-chief, who's now the editor-in-chief of the New York Times, and who's a loathsome toad. Um, but like, uh, uh, they, they, uh, yes. Um, but like they, <laughs> they punted on it and there was a mix of like, oh, this is coming from a gross place and we don't do that. Okay. Um, but also there's reason, I think, to suspect that they um, uh, kind of uh, were tilted against it because it tilted against their own you know, ideological priors or natural sympathies. Uh, and they turned out to be wrong. So there's reason, yes, to suspect that the reluctance right now is based at least in part on that. And also in this kind of PTSD that so many people have in the media of 2016, like how many articles, how many like projects, how many like bad documentaries have been made of like, we can never let 2016 happen again. Well, that's what it is. I mean, this is you know, the, we, we, yeah. never again. It, I uh, mean, it's very, very different than the Hillary email stuff, but that's, I mean, what is echoing in everybody's uh, head. And, and I mean, the, people just literally want this election to go one direction. And you said at the beginning of like these, the people who hate Donald Trump, I hate Donald Trump too. I, I, I do. I just legitimately just don't like the guy. I don't like him as president. I don't I want him to be president. And I also have a very different opinion than these people on this story. I mean, if you look today, it was either today or yesterday that the NPR's public editor um, explained why they were covering the story that they're not covering the story that their readers know nothing about because he's going <laughs> to tell you about a story that he's not covering, but you don't know about because they're not talking about it. And he said that he didn't want to waste our time on stories that are not really stories. 
And we don't want to waste the listeners and readers' time on stories that are just pure distractions. And quite frankly, that's where we ended up. This was a politically driven event, and we decided to treat it that way. Well, politically <laughs> driven events are what we call news, you dumb fuck. <laughs> this is the presidential election. And you know what? I'd say that's a politically driven event. That's a poli- that itself a politically <laughs> driven event. And the thing is, is that you can say that Hunter Biden is not running for president. And, mm-hmm. you know, I put that to totally, totally reasonable, totally yeah. reasonable. And that's kind of where I am in this. I don't I don't I mean, I think it's interesting. And by the way, if Joe Biden's brother, if Hunter Biden himself are using the name and even if they're using his father, their father's name or their brother's name. And, you know, there's no money that we can know. That's the important thing. We don't see any money going to Joe Biden. Was it promised? Was it earmarked? Did he know about them earmarking it for him? If this is even true, who knows? But if they're out there saying this and they're out there talking to Chinese companies that are connected to the Chinese state, if they're talking to Ukraine, dodgy Ukrainian oil companies, which we've been talking about the Burisma story for a long time in various other ventures of a totally talentless bro in Hunter Biden, who between, you know, huffing on his crack pipe is, you know, dating his his dead brother's wife. And he's just not a good dude, right? I mean, this is not a good thing. And nothing about this strikes me as a guy that I want to hang out with. Is he that providing a, comfort? You know, he could be yeah. providing you know, aid and comfort. Is that a reason not to vote for Joe Biden? Well, I don't think so. I don't think that's a reason at all. But are these stories? Yes, they're absolutely stories. These are relevant to to, you know, I mean, if Roger Clinton, I mean, look, if Don Jr. is involved in shit like this, people want to know. If it has nothing to do with his father, if he's trading on the Trump name, you want to know. That's perfectly relevant. Do you Why? think that maybe Donald Trump Jr. is trading on the Trump name? I, he, do, you, uh, do you have reason to suspect that? I just the, 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 wanna, thing, the thing is, is I want to smoke you out on this. One. I just want to I just want to say that I think that there's. There's one person that was a bigger failure than trading in on his last name of Hunter <laughs> Biden and his Donald Trump Jr. Because he's he's next to you, Matt, on morning television, <laughs> talking, <laughs> talking on Fox Business, uh, you know, leaning back in his chair like Fredo. It's just not a good look. But like, look, this the thing about this is it's not about whether or not the story is a good story. If it's a relevant story, you know, mm-hmm. we can decide that as news consumers. And for somebody to say, well, it's not a story that you as, you know, listeners to NPR uh, should should hear because we've decided. And it's like, no, no, if you were honest, you would tell people why you were deciding this. You were deciding this because you don't want anything screwing up this election. That's it. Full stop. Because you yeah. know that you wouldn't do that. And like all these shifting fucking explanations should, should raise the antennae of everybody. I mean, initially, Twitter was saying, you know, it, it, it's against our policy for uh, leaked or hacked or or uh, illegally purloined information. So let's shut it down for seven weeks when the Snowden stuff comes up. Or yeah. when let's, it's nonsense. It's let's, nonsense. Brief, let's briefly steel man that, though, to use a Camille phrase. Um, just that, like, it's not just bar- that. Borrowed from Sam Harris, which was whatever. I believe uh, Sam would say it was borrowed from uh, maybe Eric Weinstein. So um, to, uh, to, to mention the other brother. But that, uh, thank you, um, uh, and then the third brother, Harvey, let's not forget. <laughs> yes, um, yes. Rest that's in that's power, <laughs> Harvey. Wow. Uh, wow. <laughs> is that, uh, no, it's not just like, oh, we don't want to cover this because we don't want X to win. Eh, I think it comes in for sure. But it's also, we don't want to be pawns in an asymmetric media warfare game where they're using 
our kind of um, habits of of at least uh, uh, idealistic objectivity or fairness or newsworthiness against us and against the republic and forcing us to cover stuff that is mm-hmm. actually vaporware in a timely fashion yeah. to to pollute the discourse that should uh, otherwise be trained on things that are more important, which are that, you know, 545 uh, families got separated at the border, et cetera. Uh, uh, yeah, I, mean, I yeah, think and, that's the motivation. Yeah, no, and, as it's, much and, as and, and it is, um, to not, not to put too fine of a point on it, it's utter horseshit. It is horseshit of the highest fucking order. I mean, the idea that you're not going to intervene in a story because somebody's using it as a political weapon means you should shut down the operation if you're covering politics. Because 90% of the time, that's what people are doing. What your job is as a journalist is to find out if it is actually a story. Get Mm -hmm. that hard drive, go through it and say, you know what? The story that I'm going to write is that Steve Bannon, Guawangue, the Chinese billionaire, all of their, you know, report the story of this network of people that are, are are peddling fake information, and this is where it's coming from, and this is who they're colluding with. Because you know what? If you're going to create something out of whole cloth, don't make it Whitewater Part 2. So it's so com- confusing and convoluted that people are like, what? Who's the boss? Who's the chief? And what's the company? And 10% of what? Like, make it a little more stark than that. And you can go out there as, as a journalist and find out whether or not that is true. That is your story. But coming out and saying... We are not going to even, you know, talk about this because it doesn't rise to the level. And it's a political hitch up. And I'll tell you what, you speculated, Matt, that the, the timing is, is curious. The timing, of course, is curious, but they're honest about it. Steve Bannon told me that we are weaponizing this on a schedule mm-hmm. for a purpose. And I said, confirm that to me. Repeat it back to me. He repeated it back to me. They're weaponizing it for a pers- purpose. They're rolling it out. They're doing it. And he has Andrew Breitbart echoing in his head about weaponizing these things and just, you know, bringing the pain to the Democrats now with, with this information that they think is going to have an effect. I don't think it's going to have an effect, but they think that's the case. Because Steve Bannon is doing that, what your job is is to tell me if that information is true or not. I mm-hmm. mean, if Steve Bannon can get lucky or he can be, you know, a rat fucker or he can be somebody <laughs> who is very good at, at, at you know, figuring out in finding information on somebody that is true because he's a great political hitman. Any of those things can be true. But your job is not to, to, to judge him for his motivations. Who cares? What matters is if the story is true, period, full can, stop. Can you judge him for his strategic thinking here, considering that tens of millions of people um, have, have voted and it's unlikely that this story will change their minds and to the extent it does, yeah. it doesn't matter because their ballots have been cast. Yeah, I mean, I, I, little, I do. I mean, I asked why you didn't drop this stuff earlier. Why are you waiting so late? Yeah. And also, and also, let's yeah. let me. If we're talking about it, like from a crass political point of view, like the Hillary Clinton email story um, reinforced the notion that she's been uh, an aloof, you can't touch me insider forever, who plays by her own set of rules uh, and, and and doesn't have to follow the rules. Of the little people. And will be super officious and go fuck yourself when caught. Right. So, like, those are kind of important. You know, she's someone who was never really embraced warmly by the public for a variety of reasons, but some of them overlap. Because with, she has ovaries. 
with that. No, I, I don't. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure that who knows? Uh, maybe that has something to do with it. Maybe it doesn't. Uh, but like, uh, uh, so like it fed into an existing concern, right? What they're feeding into right now is like they're going to make the election about nepotism and corruption. Uh, yeah. And they, and, and they think yeah. that Trump's going to win that. It's amazing. Are you yeah. fucking kidding me? Yeah. yeah. In business, Are you and, and, fucking and, and, kidding me? In business in China, too. I mean, yeah. from Ivanka <laughs> to, I mean, and, and Don Jr. going on television, you know, all cracked out of his head, like doing a Hunter Biden impression and like speeding and, and yelling about uh, nepotism is, is, is amazing. And, yeah, that, and, and, that's the yeah, biggest, that's the biggest cudgel that the party could, that this particular campaign could devise for themselves when going after Joe Biden. And it, it doesn't seem like the sort of thing that's very likely to win. I, I wonder if I could direct you gentlemen, because we've been going for a little while already towards specifically the final presidential debate, which actually happened this week as well, and did not inspire nearly as much interest as the first meeting of these two men or the dueling town halls uh, was a much more tame sort of conventional affair. Uh, what, what did you two gentlemen make of this appearance? Was it, was it what you expected? Is there anything materially interesting that took place during this debate that people ought to be paying close attention to? Yeah, yeah, I was, I'll go quickly. I think Matt probably has more on this than I do, but I would say that, that, um, it was tame. Um, you know, Trump acquitted himself a lot better than I thought he was going to, um, particularly after that disastrous first debate. And looks like that mute button wasn't needed very much. I mean, they stayed in their lanes. Um, Trump was coherent at times. Biden was coherent at the beginning. I think he fell off a bit at the end. Um, Mm -hmm. but you know, as far as, what you get out of that. I mean, obviously I don't think anyone's changing their mind because of that, of that final debate is that Trump was, was very ineffective in trying to get the Hunter Biden stuff in there, but he did it in this way that it, right at the beginning. Cause I'm no, I know that this is what they, they bring this, you know, Baba Bowie as the special guest as uh, you know, and like, this is going to be the big thing. He's going to try to force Joe Biden inside, but he's a bad debater in a lot of ways. So he doesn't force him into it. I mean, mm-hmm. he should have just asked him straight up. Like, like those are real emails, right? Yes. No, come on. Um, but there was no direct question, which I thought was, was kind of odd. I thought he was going to do that. Yeah. yeah. Um, but the interesting thing, he's like, you know, the, the pandemic thing where he's like trying to shoehorn it into everything. It's the most Donald Trump shit in the world where he's like, he's like, you know, we just can't, what are we going to do? We're going to sit in the basement all the time. You know, we got a nice basement. I mean, he's got a nice, basement. I don't know where he gets all this money. <laughs> I don't know where he gets, where he's making this money. And it's like, wait, what does he do? It's like, oh, he's dropping the breadcrumbs yeah. at the very beginning of like, where's he getting this money? And yeah. but for know. for Donald Trump, it, I mean, for how much of a a nut and uh, how undisciplined uh, he can be, and keeping in mind, and again, I put this to Bannon, who was honest, and he was like, yeah, that wasn't very good, but you know, you know, you let Trump be Trump when he's in mm-hmm. Erie, Pennsylvania, and he goes out, and the motherfucker literally says. If the polls were inside, I wouldn't be here. I don't yeah. need to be like, I don't, I wouldn't be here with you. They're not like, he, he's done that in other places. <laughs> as well. It's amazing. Yeah. As people are like, he's here for us. He's our man. He's supporting us. You know, Rust Belt, we're this. And, and he's like, I wouldn't be here, but you know, I'm kind of screwed in the polls. So I'm asking you. And the guy <laughs> acts like that in that man was less in evidence um, at the debate than uh, yeah. I would have expected. I was, yeah. uh, I was, um, 
shocked actually i uh, i you know you ask camille if it's what you're expecting i had prepared to write about like you know this should be the last debate ever that the committee commission for presidential debates does which it's true it should be mm. but it actually was like the best debate in a really long time so like that's not there's not gonna be an audience for that right now um i thought Kristen welker did a, a really good job actually um uh, considering the circumstances and that it was interesting the 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 best uh and like most encapsulating moment for me was there was about a 15 minute stretch pretty early on when they had a substantive discussion about coronavirus policy. yes they did yeah yes yeah. they did that's like holy the crap. president gave the president gave the most sort of coherent um response to questions about covid that i've i've heard him give and yeah. so did Joe Biden. And mm-hmm. and that's and like they have differences of opinion and approach. Joe Biden up until last night was mostly like, well, the important thing is that we have a plan, you know, and he did that, too, last night, he which is just that. like yep. nonsense. But he also said um, uh, that, like, from the federal government point of view, we should be doing everything in, uh, in like bending things in favor of getting more testing as soon as possible everywhere because that's how you know and in fact i think that if donald trump had taken that approach um uh from march we might be talking about a different presidential election and and certainly a different coronavirus response um Hmm. you know he did at some point or his administration did at some point recognize that the fda had screwed up the bureaucrats at the fda had screwed up by kind of like insisting on a monopoly kind of test or a, a regulations of a test that needed to be jumped through while Germany was testing everybody. We weren't testing anybody back in February and March. And if you don't test, you don't know, right? I've been tested five times. God knows how many times you guys have been tested. Like it, it, it helps exactly to know. Zero. Exactly. Of course. <laughs> fucking truther. Um, <laughs> uh, but no, I've traveled a lot. Unlike you, I guess, Camille, who travels all the fucking time. <laughs> I'm going to fucking call Cuomo on you, you Good. fucking scurrilous. Call him. Call him. All I've done is spreading bastard. That's all I've done. Uh, uh, <laughs> at any rate, no, Biden, I think, was totally right about like, yeah, we should test a lot more, less right about uh, about the plan. Trump, I think, was interesting and right. And I'll, I'll say half right, talking about how you can't lock down everybody. It's horrible. It's having these these terrible effects on human uh-huh. beings that we should talk about, including about opening up the schools. It was like a really good substantive, like 10, 15 minutes of debate um, that is about the one fucking thing that matters. That, that like, <laughs> you're really going to try to make this election about Hunter Biden when yeah. we're all mm-hmm. completely hosed? The three of us. Let's just, I mean, the three of us who are privileged people, especially Camille with his black privilege, um, uh, are super privileged. Our lives. I can do, I can do absolutely anything. Honestly, our lives. Almost, almost anything. I could be, I could be in like an avowed anti-Semite and black nationalist and I'm just like, talk about the protocols of the elders of Zion and like the weather machines. I just want to know and why Michael that I would get is like shifted to find young. Fine young cannibal's voice. To, to like describe <laughs> I, that was, by the way, somewhere between Roland Gift and Aaron Neville. <laughs> this is a good point. Good point. It was right in that Come like sweet spot. That's good. <laughs> now that is so, just straight up Aaron Neville right there. So they so like you have this 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 incredible section of the thing that matters, the one uh-huh. thing that matters, and they both are scoring good points and they're teasing out each other's policies and like wow okay this is the thing that I care about and whatever. Um, 
And then there's the follow-up question from Kristen Welker, and it's about Fauci. And like, oh, no. Yeah. Uh, because, like, of course, Trump has been calling Fauci terrible and, like, a horrible person and this and whatever. And uh, and uh, and Trump responds well. I mean, he's been a he's been a nasty person, and he's and like he personalizes it. Yeah. Like the the fifteen minutes that he just spent speaking intelligently and interestingly, and with some knowledge about policy, including you know where the vaccines are at this point. Not that it really matters if he knows that, but he you know expressed that. Um, and then like it became about like you know. Oh, Fauci's a Democrat, so I'm not holding it against him or anything. It's like, oh, my fucking God, really? You're the president of the United States. People are dying. People don't have jobs. People are worried about this, overreacting to that. And you're talking about whether Anthony fucking Fauci is a Democrat or not. Like, it was a perfect encapsulation of, like, why he shouldn't be the president of the United States. He's a bad manager. If that's what you care about two weeks before an election or, like, just as a— as an executive of anything, no, that's not what you do. So it was, uh, it was perfect for that. Like you can lull yourself into thinking if you ignore some other bits that either of the candidates are good for a little while. Um, uh, mm. but if you wait, if you wait more than like twenty minutes in a row with both of them, but only one of them is the president right now, irritating you. Um, it just, I, I found it, found it to be untenable. And, so can and, I, yeah. I forcefully agree with the analysis that says that that was probably the most substantive aspect of the debate, but it was also, I think pretty bad um, in the <laughs> yeah. sense that to the extent they were kind of going back and forth and talking about policy differences and stuff. I, I didn't think that it was particularly interesting. I certainly didn't think that even the line of questioning that existed there was like particularly well-informed. Um, I, I kept finding myself wishing that almost anyone else other than these two men were participating in the conversation <laughs> because anyone, really, like almost any person, my mom could have been on that stage um, and had, I think, slightly more incisive and interesting things to say about some of those topics um, and someone who actually knew what the hell they were talking about could have helped to add some color. I think that that actually differentiating, which the president seemingly tried to do between like the the case count in the country and the actual like excess mortality rate and the 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 like those kinds of details and it is worth navigating. The question that came up about public schools in particular and whether or not they how they ought to be open, whether they can be opened, whether or not what's happened in Boston is actually indicative um, of what is going on around schools and like the level of concern that should exist. And I, I suppose what happened in Boston, if I'm not mistaken, is that they've had something like 200 like positive cases of COVID um, inside of the school system. And the decision was made fairly recently to push the entire public school system to like all online. Um, but it's not obvious to me that this is the best decision. It sounds like a lot of these cases were asymptomatic, not particularly severe, that the transmission rates within these schools, mm. at least according to a number of health experts, simply are not at the level uh, where someone would think like this is terrible, untenable and unsustainable. We simply can't do this and keep people safe. Um, and there's just there's a level of hysteria and kind of unmoored concern around some of these issues and a, a lack of sort of seriousness and rigorousness with respect to our understanding of these issues and just kind of conflation of all of these different metrics um, in terms of like hospitalizations and 
you know, how much PPE we have and all that other stuff. I find it, I find it very, very disconcerting. And I do think it is perhaps the most important aspect of this presidential campaign season, because it's the the place where we're going to see the most uh, policy interventions and certainly the place where we're seeing the most policy action um, at the state level, like places like California that have these just particularly heavy handed approaches to trying to deal with the pandemic, or at least ostensibly trying to deal with the pandemic. But you've got these sort of shifting justifications for things like lockdowns um, and these shifting standards for whether or not the lockdown ought to be in place in a particular area and amongst a particular population. And all of that strikes me as one exceedingly dangerous and a genuine um, sort of a a genuine um, uh, trampling of people's civil liberties um, and a a severe um, sort of issue with respect to whether or not we're actually accounting for the various ways that these policies are impacting people's lives. And unfortunately, I think that's, it's the place where Trump might actually have like a strong argument. Like, I think it's fair to say that he's a, a poor manager. It's probably also fair to say that Trump's particular approach has probably helped to speed along a, vac- a vaccine in a way that it might not have been sped along under some other administration. Like he's, he's pushing particularly hard in terms of pulling out the stops in ways that have actually had him come in for criticism um, in a number of instances. I, I think but that's he's, exactly But he slowed right. down testing, and I think that's unforgivable. Uh, yeah, right. slowed down testing in the very beginning. That, I think that's- I think Not, that's not just in the beginning, like ongoing. It's a, it's a, it's a I, thing I that's happening now. From a, a purely political uh, standpoint, I think that's right, Camille. I mean, I see, I, I absolutely agree with Matt that that was the most substantive part of an otherwise pretty lukewarm- debate um and then they go and they blow it right and and you know both of them say things that drive me crazy i mean you know the biden is of course saying that every death of covid is on trump it's 220,000 which is just, just silly it's silly it's and 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 i i think that people probably recognize that um mm-hmm. considering when you look around the world and you see like deaths per million and where mm-hmm. america is in those tables did donald trump do as poorly as he, we thought he was going to do initially. I mean, I think on this podcast, and I think me especially was like, "This is this is going very very poorly," and mm-hmm. he does not have a handle on it. Yeah, although, the, although his complaint, his his comp- contrasting where we are with like the worst projections of the models is also absurd. The, oh, models, the, 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 the two the models weren't right. The two point yeah. two, yeah, yeah. It's exactly. It's like the models are still right. Drop look that at, from look the at how yeah, exactly. it's absurd. Yeah, that's it's like absurd. jobs. Jobs created and saved. But it's similar <laughs> political nonsense. It is. It is. But to to your to your point about where we are with vaccines and with you know Pfizer and Johnson and Johnson and Moderna and these people all of uh, whom got it shouted on stage is that Trump, of course, does rather than saying. You know, this is Operation Warp Speed. This is how we've marshaled the power uh, of the federal government and how we have intervened to make all this. I mean, this is a government that doesn't mind touting its intervention in the economy. This is not Mm -hmm. a Republican government who's trying to hide the fact that they're intervening in the economy all the time. They all do. (laughs) Rather than saying that, he says, we're going to get it in a couple of weeks. And then the moderator says, wait, we're going to get it in a couple of weeks. You can, you, can, you can guarantee that. And he's like, you know, by the end of the year. He literally follows up by saying <laughs> that by the end of the year. And then he's keeping, makes these promises 
that the vaccine is here and it's behind us. It's like that is a bad strategy as, as far as I'm concerned. If I'm a political consultant, is to say, mm-hmm. do not tell people that when we're having an uptick in COVID cases and a spike here and a spike there and people are dying, that it's, it's just around the corner and we're done. That is not, I mean, I get the, that the, his calculation is that we have what, you know, 12 days or whatever, 14 days uh, until the election. So, you know, I, I'm just going to say whatever I want until then. It's almost like that last semester of high school when you've already gotten into college. You don't really have to work anymore. I mean, that's what he's doing. He's like, I'll just say whatever. I'll just do whatever the fuck I want. And I don't hold me to it because I'm just trying to win. After the fact, it doesn't matter. Like, no one, because the level and the frequency of, of the Trump lie, which is so, it's just, you know, blows us back constantly. And we just are so accustomed to it. I was thinking about this the other day, by the way, speaking of debates. If you remember, and Matt, you'll, I think you'll remember this. Do you remember the big gaffe? And the 1976 presidential d- debate between Jimmy Carter and, and, and uh, uh, President Ford. Of course. No Soviet domination of Eastern Europe. Yeah. And it was kind of a slip of the tongue, we think, but he doubled down on it, right? Now we come to today. I mean, imagine that ran the tables in the conversation that he said there's no Soviet domination of Eastern Europe. I mean... Literally every two minutes, these guys are bullshitting us on stage and saying things that aren't true. Both of them. And I mean, I mean, I will, I think conservatives are right about one thing is that there is a high, uh, there's a disproportionate number of fact checks going in one direction. I noticed after, after the debate, um, you know, the Time magazine had one when Joe Biden said, you know, America was, uh, friends with Hitler before they went to war, which is, uh, uh, not true. Um, and they say, well, it's, it's true and false. And they, they, they slice it in this thinnest way of like IBM was doing business with the Germans. Like, yeah, that's not, that's not an argument. That's not what we're talking about guys. <laughs> and like all of this bullshit is like, and I go back to that 76 debate of like, you know, there's chapters and books about there's no Soviet domination of Eastern Europe. And it's essentially a man putting his foot in his mouth and not getting caught with the lie or in this case, the mistake in not wanting to give it up. Yeah. Be- because he's like, um, I mean, I mean, he knows that the Soviets occupy Estonia and the Soviets occupy Lithuania and they occupy Czechoslovakia and blah, blah, blah. But the reason he's doing it is just because it's like, I don't know what to do. And that was the biggest thing ever. And then today it's like nonstop. This is one of those con- every minute. There are consequences of uh, trashing the norms, the, uh, the, the, uh, the, the, uh, I forget the Camille uh, phrase of it, but the sort of like, uh, you know, the the uh, respectable politique kind of thing. Res- respectability politique. Thank mm-hmm. you. Um, yeah. uh, there, which um, he and many people are right to say that people hide behind that to support policies that are horrifyingly bad mm-hmm. um, and they don't get punished for their enactment or their support for those policies because they had the right uh, manners in yeah. doing who, that. Who built the cages, Joe? Who built the cages, Joe? Right, which is which is an incredibly just yeah. I I am still training myself not to say fucktarded, uh, but it was an incredibly <laughs> fucktarded exchange because like um, yeah, 
Obama and Biden built the cages and you filled them. Yeah. <laughs> That's not the answer yeah. to the question. The question is like, where are those kids in the 545? Answer yeah. that question. And but, Chris Muck was good about that. Like he yeah. kept asking and he kept not answering them. And it's like that. That is the but ultimate. I, I do, that, that's the dead I, I end do, of anti anti Trumpism. I do. It's, like, it's I really do, like but it's, it's not a dead end. I mean, it's a fucking dead miss, end, Camille. It's miss, a dead you end. Last, you missed last week because I don't think that the I question, listened to the first half hour, man. It was I good. Well, yeah, but you didn't hear the back half. It, got, it gets very good. He was too you know, busy. Some, uh, some comedy uh, in the front playing end. Playing cards with Maria good. Bartolomo. <laughs> and watch a Borat, the, the first yeah. first movie film. No, but the but the but the end the end result of making that of making that observation isn't isn't for a person like me to dismiss the obvious misdeeds of the Trump administration. It's to underscore the fact that underlying all of the failures um is like a genuine manifestation of shit policy. A, a genuine problem that needs to be solved, shit policy and poor administration by the previous administration, who, because they are respectable, do their best to obfuscate their failures and the shit outcomes associated with their failures. And the appropriate thing to do if you're genuinely if you're genuinely respectable, as opposed to perform performing respectability, is to say, you know what, we fucked up. We made a mistake. Those those were bad policies. They didn't work particularly well, and they had bad consequences. And you're right. Those pictures did originate under our administration. And here are the reasons why that went wrong, and here's what we mm. can do better. Yeah, that'd be like, great for a, Biden to a, do. It that's would be, a real, would that's be a real super answer. great. And what you get instead is is sort of old man dithering bullshit from sure. both of them. Sure, but like one of those men – is actually in charge of policy right now and the people and the people who have spent the last three and a half years saying oh those pictures are from 2014 Mm -hmm. i haven't heard much from those people saying yeah those are bad pictures in 2014 and Uh 2019 as well Um, what would it be like if the people on the debate stage were like the people on this uh podcast right now or like the people uh that we're friends well. with or people no the people that respond to things without you know trying to go through their 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 file cards and their rolodex of what is my response to this iteration of the argument it's all war right. games because you know wh- i mean if you're on stage if i'm on stage and donald trump is like you built them joe and i'm like I, my response would be like before i get to that is like so they're good or bad I don't like, are you happy we built them? Like you're saying, thank you for building them because you're filling them. You enjoy them clearly. I think, I think Biden tries it with a, come on, man. Yeah. Come on, man. Doesn't cut it for me. Come on, man. Yeah. Uh, I want to, I wanted to, before we lose uh, uh, this particular threat, because you guys have brought it up before um, and it's consistent with talking about media treatment of coronavirus. I wanted to just spend 60 seconds talking about the way that the New York times has uh, reported on um, the completely not surprising fact that the schools that have opened in their limited way here in New York City, where we don't have much coronavirus, mm-hmm. um, you guys wouldn't know this since you don't live here anymore. Um, uh, but, <laughs> That's not uh, true. Uh, My kid goes so, to private school. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, in, in New York, but it's yes. relevant to the way that this is discussed uh, in the debate, in in the, the in politics, and all the kind of like the moral posturing of it in fucking Andrew Cuomo's you know best selling book. What are, you know, would be best-selling books. So recently they've done a random sample um, uh, of uh, teachers and students in the New York City uh, school system. More than 16,000 teachers, staff, and students. 
More than 16,000. It's a big number. It's five mm-hmm. digits. How many were positive? One. Tw- 28. Oh, the first the first one that I saw was like, first I guess one it was, was 1,700 one. and it was one. 1,700 yeah, right. was one. Yes, now it's right. more than 16,000 and it's, tw- it's 28, right? Already you have in New York City, and we look at this every single day in this household, of the city's uh, positive test rate. Again, I've taken it five times. Um, it's It's been between 1.5% and 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 0.7% basically since mid-June. So one out of 100 people who take the test, who are going to be more likely to have it than not, because why would you take it, right? I've been on a plane from California. I've been exposed to weirdos. Um, I might have it, um, and I don't have it. Um, so we've had this really low uh, thing since June in New York City because we killed off all the old people successfully. So here's how the New York Times portrays this information. Here's the headline. Surprising results in initial <laughs> virus <whom>? testing in <laughs> NYC schools. Surprising results. Surprising to the like, writer. Yeah. For those of us who've been paying attention to this because yeah. we have kids in these schools, yeah. so maybe we're a little bit more attuned to the science of this, um, which has been gathered most spectacularly by Emily Oster, O-S-T-E-R. Uh, I think she's an economist at Brown, but she's been gathering and like heroically these databases of summer schools that are opening, um, you know, like trying to figure out stuff that doesn't exist on the federal level. And I think maybe, and I'm hopefully I'm not inventing this, that Joe Biden might've said something in this direction uh, during the debate, but like, um, you know, she's been actually collecting this kind of stuff. This is not surprising in the least. Here's the lead for months. Like imagine this, imagine this lead for months. As New York City struggled to start part-time in-person classes, fear grew. Love that passive tense. Yeah, it's fear good. grew that its 1,800 public schools would become vectors of coronavirus infection, a citywide archipelago of super spreader sites. Uh huh. That's the lead of a story that no one is testing positive from schools. But nearly three weeks into the in-person school year, early data from the city's first effort at targeted testing has shown the opposite. A surprisingly small number of positive cases. You motherfuckers, Mm. your job is to, like, sift through the data as it comes in and to not, like, be spreading the fear that is growing. But to be talking about the data that is coming in, right? And if that is contrary to the fear, the data leads, not the fear, right? This happens all the damn time, and it's dressed up in the morality of which politicians you like and which ones you don't. And it's so maddening. New York City right now should have all but a few, in my estimation, this has been my estimation now for several months um, should have, uh, especially now that the fall has happened and we haven't seen the spike, um, all its elementary schools open five days a week. There's no reason not to. As we've seen, there's there are schools open in dozens of countries at this point. We have so much data have have come in. The 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 uh, you know the day uh, care centers were open, and our daughter went to one of them in the summer. You think we might have heard about it <laughs> if this led to massive coronavirus? Of course, they'd be seizing on every moment of this. It didn't happen at all. Um, and so, like, they should be open. Uh, the fact that this is the way that elite journalism treats this absolutely fundamental story right now, and this is repeated 
widespread constantly, including cherry picking data from stories and, and, and results that come in and research that comes in. It's absolutely maddening. And it's uh, 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 it, it's among the worst like uh, malpractices I've seen in journalism uh, in my lifetime. Um the end. The, the the misinformation disinformation narrative that we get um all the time and of course we're talking about tonight and, and and talking about constantly in this election cycle it overwhelms um other things that i think are misinformation which uh, distinct from disinformation which is you know deliberate uh the misinformation that you see quite a bit i mean this was the one thing i mentioned it to you guys before the the one welker intervention in the debate that i was like oh come on now when yeah. Trump is saying, you know, kids, they, you know, they recover and blah, blah, blah. And she, before going to the next question, in a court, and it's sort of like, you know, you always have to fact check Trump to thing. They said, and of course, the CDC has said young people can get sick with COVID-19 and can pass it. Anyway, Mr. Vice President Biden, I want to talk to you broadly about strategy. Though. So, I mean, she throws it in there just, unless you think it is safe, I want mm-hmm. you to know that it isn't, Right. And what, what, what Trump said is, I don't know if the 99% number is true, um, but it's broadly true in the sense that, you know, you're at a, you know, like m- amazingly small risk compared to people in their 70s and 80s and people with comorbidities. But what I find pretty fascinating is that I often have to tell people, you know, you even said it now, Matt, like a, being on a plane, that there's really no evidence that being on a plane is actually that harmful. They have not, yeah. they've not had super spreader events on planes. The New yep. York Times itself actually has reported twice on two different uh, studies. I think one was in Asia about public transportation not being a super spreader uh, yeah. or spreading really. I mean, I think basically people are not talking. Uh, they can be close together short periods of time. They're not in people's faces and they're not interacting. They're not expectorating. They're not yelling. It's why it's in churches and not in subway cars. But if I say that to people, they're like, are you sure you want to go on a plane? And it's like, this is actually a problem. Yeah. It's a problem that people think this at this point that we're not getting information that uh, like people don't either, you know, the misinformation that I'm worried about is the fact that people like this stuff has consequences, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, restaurants are still shutting down in New York city. And that actually is a place where you can, it can spread in a much easier place because people are, people are inside talking, but you know, businesses are shutting down. I mean, the economy is still sclerotic this is a problem because it's all as a result of this. I'm not saying that we can open up tomorrow and everything's going to be fine, but I think that people would have a slightly different attitude if some of this information and some of this newer information, we didn't always know this stuff, and some of this newer data about how it spreads because this is something people don't know. So everywhere I go, people are spraying their hands and you know putting the shields. You know, the shields is like, what are you doing? The shield yeah, is ridiculous. Yeah. The, yeah. the, you know, you, like, they look like dental technicians walking down the street and, <laughs> and like, you know, always like, wait, do I need to you just be you know rubbing myself with, uh, like Tubin like with, um, with, uh, uh, Purell <laughs> Jergens Purell, whatever it is. Uh, I mean, how, how, how many people have you seen like, uh, Tubin? give, give it, uh, besides Tubin, <laughs> give anguished kind of, uh, descriptions of like having to cut out of their lives, like an aunt who wants to give a hug. Yeah. Um, it's like, dude, yeah. gotta like, no, I, 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 I know that New York, you know, we're kind of on the other end of it. And so it sounds like science fiction for those places who are who are suffering right now. And, and like, you know, the, the uh, infection rate is definitely going up. I'm not sure that the morbidity rate and other things associated with it are going up uh, nearly as much, but like, um, 
just they're not. Um, uh, but like, holy cow, like to be cutting out family members over this stuff, it's possible. It's hard. And I know it's hard, but like you can, you can slowly negotiate your way into normal human activity again. Um, and you can be safe in a way that doesn't immediately spread everything. You spread it by singing in each other's faces yeah, or like by yeah. New York talking to each other on a yes. sidewalk. And, and the thing is, if you're going to go out there and say, we got to wear masks. Okay, great. Fine. I'm totally fine with that. I, I think these people that are crazy about masks are just nuts. I don't, I, I don't get it. But we got we to wear masks. They can come and tell you this. Okay. If you can do that and you're Fauci, you're, you're, you're Trump, you're the governor, um, you know, of whatever state, not even Cuomo. You can also come out and explain to people, because people still don't know this, because there is no sort of central repository. If you are believing the information of Dr. Fauci and uh, your state gover government and the federal government, uh, people are because people are wearing masks. Everywhere I go, people are wearing masks for the most part. Um, you can also get up there and say, you don't have to wipe down your groceries. Yeah. People are doing that. People were doing that. And I don't blame them. They didn't know what was going on. Do people know not to do that now? They don't not they, to not do that, but they don't have to do that. Do they know that? No. I mean, I've still talked to people who are, you know, this is an airborne thing. Can you get, I don't even know the answer to this. Can, do I need to be purelling all the time and drying my skin out and just going crazy and trying to make it out of fucking, you know, Everclear and like petroleum jelly? No. Like the, the, is uh, that, the, how, are we saving lives that way? Someone tell no. me. No, the answer is no. Yes. Like the on the playgrounds, which were closed in California until literally like three weeks ago, they closed the playgrounds in California for seven months. Yes, imagine did. that, California. Yes, like being outside is good. Yeah, especially in California, and you mm -hmm. couldn't do it. Like you could do it on your own grass. They closed it down, but the studies had come in. Like I get that in March. I don't yes, get totally it in June. We totally knew we knew in June by then that this right. stuff isn't spreading around on surfaces. Uh, I, I have so I have so many. I I literally look like Andrew Cunanan. I have so many gloves in my house. <laughs> you, you talk I, about this I, like it's new. I have I have more than normal <laughs> gloves in this house. I am fucking OJ. And I'm like, you know, so many gloves. And by the way, Although he's got, he's got better humor than dude. Here too. <laughs> Seriously. What's up? What's that up with Tubin. the OJ? The OJ. That Tubin thing was so great. Tubin thing. Tubin. Tubin Tubin thing. He's like, Oh man. He just said, <laughs> Jeffrey Tubin, what are you doing? What are you doing? Jeffrey Tubin. At least. That's not how you do it. Jeffrey he's like, Tubin. at least Pee Wee Herman was in a movie theater. He says theater too, which is great. And then, and then I love the fact hey, that Twitter, like, what's up, Twitter world? What's up, Twitter? OJ? I killed my wife. <laughs> you know me. Yeah. You remember me? The juice. Yeah. The, the best <laughs> is that someone respond, like Jake Tapper responded, by the yeah. way, and was like, you know, you're a scumbag and you killed your wife. Uh, totally fair. I'm on Jake's side on that too. Um, and then that football, <laughs> the, the former NFL guy comes in and he's like, okay, Jew. Did you see that? I sent that to yeah. you. <laughs> what's his name? Yeah, I did. I did see that. Well, his name is Larry Johnson, not to be confused with, with Grandmama, who played for the Charlotte Hornets mm -hmm. um, and was a yes. stud. He was also uh, a Converse. <laughs> and a Converse not an anti-Semite, yeah. Converse commercials with uh, the React juice in his shoes, as folks will remember. That's right. Not that guy. This is yeah. the other guy. You'd have to Google him to see a picture of him. And yeah, he's, he's a super duper asshole. Just he's a, a huge asshole and a disgusting anti-Semite. Um, but Jake was actually getting it from a lot of folks who were, were deriding him for being racist because he suggested that OJ 
may in fact be guilty despite the fact that he got off. It's just language. It's all I'm asking you guys to do. <laughs> yeah. It's been five years. Like, yeah. I think we'd get yeah. this. Also, He's not guilty. Innocent. He just he just killed his wife. Yeah, that's it. He's <laughs> yeah. not guilty He's not of guilty. murdering his wife, but he definitely killed her. But I mean, it doesn't make any sense. You have to you have to say <laughs> he was <laughs> he was found not guilty in a court of law. He's still guilty as fuck. Yeah, that's, I'm sorry. that's what you said. Well, I'm yeah. sorry, but he is. Words know? mean things. Yeah, yeah. words means things. Um, uh, but you know, the funny thing is, like, imagine that though when you're OJ and the book written about you that becomes the miniseries and makes you look like a psychotic murder is written by a guy named Jeffrey Tubin and you wake up and you're like, what did Jeffrey Tubin do? What? Wait, what now? And he's like, honey, get the phone. And he's like, <laughs> he's like, I'll do a peewee thing. I'll do a peewee thing and I'll say theater and it'll be great. And can, can we talk about the Tubin? Yeah. Can we, can we talk about this? Because we, and it's been a little while. So we should probably punch out because we're, we're going to keep this one a little tight. Um, oh, you want to punch out? <laughs> we'll turn see. off your fucking well, camera when you. If we keep going, I'm going to tube in y'all. You <laughs> yeah, love it. No. You will you love it. Tilt that shit down. Screen caps. Yeah. There'll be screen caps of it yeah. all over the internet. We, I'll be the most famous man in America. We have moved from Patreon to OnlyFans. <laughs> the damn right. They go, and they're going to pay too. They're going to pay. They're going to pay. Camille's OnlyFans account, in which, <laughs> which he, in which he like uh, OnlyFans, OnlyFans.com forward slash. You can't handle all this ham. <laughs> that'll be that'll be the page. And by the way, you can give all of your money, all of you men uh, and ladies, cuckolding for you, men and ladies yeah. who love Camille, and you subscribe to that, you do realize <laughs> that he's just going to be shirtless reading von Mises to you, and yeah. that's it. Not no. just shirtless. Yeah, we, we're gonna tube in. God, we are gonna tube in. No, I feel um, I feel one, bad for him. I'm sorry, I do. I feel bad. For one, him. I mean, one. This is just it's a glorious Matt just story. Cocked a cocked an eye. That was an arched eyebrow when I said I feel bad for him. <laughs> I do. I feel bad for him. You feel bad for tubing? Yeah, totally. I mean, this, but it's kind of a glorious story, right? Uh, sure, you feel let he bad who has never jerked sad. off in the in in the proximity but of a computer. It's the I mean, tilting. It's the tilting. What do you th- what do you think was going on there? This this man is having a he's having a, a call yeah. of some sort. Why are you tilting the the? the, the it, it was a the multitasking. Thing? It's a pure multitasking. Are you doing thing. it because like someone is in the room with you who is enjoying this, or are you no. using a computer <laughs> no. and it's supposed to actually Literally. be? You're and broadcasting it, 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 this to someone else. To be clear, the is, most, it, is it that it's like daring and it's like, hey, look what I can do. No, the man. camera isn't really on, but yeah. I'm pretending it is. Yeah, to be clear, the most crotch. the most <laughs> pornographic thing about this whole episode is that the New Yorker magazine was cosplaying the election yeah. where Jane Meyer was portraying a conservative Republican reacting to election day among other just like incredibly crazy things what was the purpose Zoom. of this exercise except I to, to give mr listen, tubin dude, an opportunity I, I tell you what, if, if, if like jill lapore is like i am a supreme court justice i'm like i'm beating off right now <laughs> i can't do this anymore just can't i can't manage it at all so you're calling oh. tubin a freedom fighter i am i am, I am calling maybe or tubin free, by the way was playing fucking larry craig who knows he was probably mm-hmm getting his signals you know a little mixed up 
in like <laughs> I don't know by the way, Camille, I never considered that there was like somebody in the room. Uh, I thought he was like there was another call. Do you have like two laptops? Yeah, I think I, I think don't know if we know. He, I think that he crossed this. The pl- the plausible explanation is that he crossed the streams, so to speak. He crossed the streams. Um, yeah. So <laughs> you have the Zoom call on, and boring New Yorker people are nattering like, on, and yeah. you think, okay, I've, I'm going to beat I, off during this meeting. You're gonna you're gonna know that I'm doing it person on the other computer. <laughs> By the way, it's, like, it's really nice that he's not using his work computer. He's like, I can't do that on the work computer. That's illegal. I'm going to take my personal computer. <laughs> And then I'm going to call Jeff Green- Greenfield's other yeah. daughter. Oh yeah. no! Oh, that's uh, look that one up. Part uh, yeah, Oof. look it up. The, the, Oof. I think the, the important thing to admit up front is that um, we all you've, needed a really you've good done laugh. This? Oh, I'm we all say. no, no. I've never tilted the computer. Um, <laughs> we, we all needed a good laugh. Like it was. It at was large. so <laughs> funny. I don't. I, I'm like. Uh, there's probably uh, I can count on less than two hands, and I guess hands is the wrong <laughs> I- imagery that we want to use right now of the people who I would w- like uh, be laughing at at this moment because I my natural sympathies with Moynihan and to say like I feel bad for people who get caught in like it, in clearly accidental scenarios. Yeah. Um, Tubins are super duper scumbag and a bad legal analyst as mm. well. Um, uh, but like more importantly, uh, who cares about the bad legal a- analysis? Like in his personal comportment, everything that we know about him from public is like, holy cow, is mm. this person a bad person? Um, but more importantly, we're a bad country. We're all bad people, especially you guys. And like to have in the last <laughs> days of the election, a story <laughs> this yeah. funny. Like, yeah, it's okay Look, to laugh. It's like I, it, watching yes. Borat on your patio that, instead of engaging. That in is right. Look, so I, podcast. I can it's laugh so at funny. It. I can laugh at it, but I still can feel bad for him. And the reason because you can kind of relate in a sense. It's like when OJ comes up. And I know Camille like feels bad for OJ, but like I can't feel bad for OJ. And the reason I can't feel bad for OJ is because I've never murdered a waiter. That's the difference. I have jerked off. Yes. So, so that I can kind of relate to. And I'm like, like oh. during a work call. I mean, that's not your business. And it's certainly not the business of the people that I work with. No, I just don't show up for the work calls. So, so but here's, here's the real question. This is the real question. Now I want you and don't, don't blurt out an answer because it's yeah. disgusting. Going to. Think about like the hottest journalo you know <laughs> and imagine imagine this hottest journalo and i didn't say anything about a gender but you know i'm thinking about a lady mm-hmm. um imagine the hottest journalo you know she just handed me a glass is 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 tubin wow like imagine Magic. she is tubin mm-hmm. what does this become wait a second an embarrassing controversy or is it just kind of like hey you know this is funny and you know she is sort of reveling in her sexual power and she's kind of a hero to everyone rubbing one she's out glorious <laughs> on a new yorker zoom call rubbing one out while she was doing a call she was multitasking and it's it's okay we could forgive her we can move on and she's kind of her star rises and she writes a book a memoir and the memoir is called, <laughs> you know, The Naked Truth or some shit like that. Or My Secret Pearl or whatever the hell it is. And it's like, it's the best thing. Man in the boat. Like, isn't it, isn't it true that the reason why this is so bad for Mr. Tubin is because he's not, like, fucking hot like me so, or something? So if I, I was so, Tubin. I he's super hot. Yeah. If I was Tubin, yeah. I, I don't think it would be nearly as bad for me as it is for him because he's not attractive. Couple, Careful, Tubin well, is a verb. Go on. Yeah, a couple, that's what I'm saying. 
a couple of things about this is, by the way, that scenario is about as plausible as like the ticking time bomb scenario in a torture <laughs> debate. It's like there's a bomb's going to go off. What are you going to do? Like, I don't know. Just fucking put the guy's head under the faucet. This is in this scenario. Like, so there's a woman and she's hot and she's masturbating on a L magazine, like zoom call or something. I don't know, it seems very probable. It seems, I can imagine this slow motion. Yeah. Soft yeah. Focus but camera, you're also yeah. borrowing. You're also borrowing from uh, Harvey Weinstein thing is, that Harvey Weinstein was was uh, the the argument that you heard often that Harvey mm-hmm. Weinstein was uh, was uh, suffering from the ugly tax, and if he was Brad Pitt, people would have handled it or, or thought of it differently. If he was like, you know, you want to get in my movie, because there were people that did that, right? That they were better mm-hmm. better looking, and uh, and I guess then, but I think that's probably not true because Harvey Weinstein is a fucking monster. And there's a degree in which it doesn't matter if you look like Brad Pitt, if you're a fucking monster. But yeah, I think in the hot girl thing, I don't think it actually stands up in this, in this, hmm. in this hmm. court of, of, uh, law and Jeffrey Tubin's court of law. Do you think he'll come back with like, uh, like a, a show where he's like Judge Jeffrey on, on Quibi? Like the new, the new, well, not, Quib- not on Quibi, Quibi which too, is, which is gone. <laughs> I think he comes back in three months and like as if nothing happened. That's you think what I so? Think. I yep. don't think so. Yeah. Yeah. It's too embarrassing. It's too embarrassing. It's pretty embarrassing. The first time I mean, you throw to him in a legal panel, everyone's fucking tr- trying not to laugh. It's like, <laughs> it's like so uh, Elena Kagan made a novel argument in the court today. We're going to go to Jeffrey Tubin. It's over here. Hands on the table, Jeff. Tell us what happened. You're, you're, you're uh, intuiting a sense of humor that doesn't normally exist on the cable network. No, no, no. Michael, it, 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 I- that is actually a very good point. It is. Those are because I've been watching. I don't watch cable news. Um, I just don't know how to get them because I don't, I don't have cable, but um, I watch clips and stuff online, but watching them concurrently, I've been watching that re- recently because I've been in a lot of hotel rooms, I've been traveling and been shooting something. And I'm like, man, this is fucking horrible. Number one, everybody across the board, they're all terrible. There's not like one. Yeah. It used to be like CNN you could kind of deal with because it was kind of straight, more straight news. But um, the best point I've heard about that is the one that you just made is that there is a distinct lack of humor. And nope. anytime yeah. you see one of those clips where it's like Don Le- Lemon and like Chris Cuomo laughing in like a split screen, what a- they're not, it's not funny. No, and it's just it's never, bad for like, all of oh us. Oh my God. When they're laughing. The exception is our girlfriend Kennedy just uh, restarted her show uh, last week, I think mm-hmm. it was, or this week. Um, and it's great. And uh, I was on it, uh, I was uh, fortunate enough to be on the first episode. And hopefully most of us will be on that sooner rather than later. But like, that's actually one thing that she does. I was thinking about this. Um, do you remember uh, Camille was still in short pants, uh, but Moynihan, when uh, Hugh Grant, I think it was, was caught. Was Hugh Grant? Uh, uh, no, it was Hugh Grant. It, it, was, it, was, um, it was Hugh Grant and Jay Leno. On uh, Jay Leno. He said, what were you thinking? What were you thinking? Yeah. And like, um, on one uh, hand, it's like, you know, what, what's, what's your business? She's a British man. I mean, you, you're you're happy if uh, she had lipstick uh, uh, or he had lipstick. <laughs> what are you, uh, what are you uh, implying and not even I'm implying, but directly saying? That all British men are gay because wow. of boarding school. Come on. That not is, that there's anything wrong. Exactly. With that. And it's fine. Like, 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 it, like we shouldn't interrogate it on. I mean, I read the Hitchens biography, too. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, uh, no, not not. <laughs> There, there, you know, it, it shouldn't be what were you thinking because it's none of your fucking business. It's Hugh Grant on Hollywood Boulevard. Let him do what he's doing. On the other hand, it was also funny and it was like a way to yeah. kind of 
diffuse the tension and then Hugh Grant can go on with his life and everyone go on their lives. And that's normal. And I don't know if Eddie Murphy ever did that with. No, he never. He never on Hollywood Boulevard. No, um, never uh, but like he shouldn't either. Um, but but you could use humor in that way. You can't do that on cable with the possible exception of Kennedy. Like she's inherently funny. Um, she could launder that. She would definitely ask the question. <laughs> you wouldn't get away with not no. talking about it. Um, and that's just in such short supply and it's, uh, it's unfortunate. Like I was on with Kennedy once and didn't mean to make an advertisement for Kennedy, but why not? Um, when, uh, uh, what's his face? Corey Lewandowski was on (laughs) and he was remote. He was in the eight block. He was like drunk, right? And he was fucking liquored. And like, uh, I'm, I'm sitting there in the chair and I'm not talking out of school. I don't think, um, uh, and, uh, and he's like, well, Kennedy, the important thing about Trump is this and that and the other. And I'm looking at Kennedy, like, you know, making the tipping uh, uh, <laughs> uh, motions with my hand. And she, like, got into it. Yeah, like, she, hey, she Corey. Le- she leaned into that one. She was did making you, fun did, of him on did, air. Yeah. Did you, did you have a couple of glasses, Corey? <laughs> um, and, like, you know, uh, 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 he's a semi-important guest to her because he comes on a lot. And they, and they get back and forth. And, like, he responded. um, by denying it in real time and then sending her a case of wine, I think it was something like yeah. that the next day. Like with humor, that's what you do, and that's a normal thing. But you can't do that in cable news because cable news is a whole, you know, field of awfulness and lack of joy. And to end the Tubin conversation, because it is the most vital conversation of this election season. Yes. The, is is that is vital. um and if Jeffrey Tubin, if you are listening, I, I if you were listening, I suspect you probably turned it off. But um, <laughs> if you're still here, Jeff, um I would say this. My advice to you is absolutely lean into it. Um, if you get back on a Twitter, because you ain't getting back into that chair at CNN anytime soon, and you're definitely not writing for the New Yorker anymore, um, because that is, you know, you can't make that mistake at your job, right? It's a you're contracting off at your job. It's just you're done. And that's at the office, basically, because it's COVID times. You're like, you know, beating off at the office. Um, so just go on Twitter and just start ripping on yourself and just t- like tweet to no end about how you're the biggest fucking loser and fool in the world. And then people will probably like you a little more. I mean, or, and, or what, and why, why not really lean into it and become the new Ron Jeremy? Yeah. And just be that guy. Totally. Just, you could have a career. I, I imagine that vivid would give him a deal. Who's, like a who's picture deal. No, <laughs> vivid. The, the um, porn yeah. company. Yeah, yeah, not yeah. familiar with it. They would give him a deal. No, not even a little bit. And they make films be able to, or are they a magazine? Yes. These are pornographic films for adults. Okay. Based yeah. in Sweden. They, I'm sure you've never heard of nope. it. Uh, yeah. Not involving, even. involving, sexual intimacy Ooh. and i think that he could Hot. be a star of erotic <laughs> films i'm just saying i don't know that he could have a, a long storied career yeah but he, he well, would be back on let's the get tube him. pretty quickly yeah let's get him uh let's get him with matt lauer in uh moynihan's east egg uh table and if you want me to roll down like just just open the window I can just yell out. I can yell and see if he's going to come over. <laughs> <You're> like, <"Whoa!" laughs> Money he's not. He's not. Oh, he's. God. I'm going to tell him. Press the button. It's cut. You can come in. <laughs> Let them out. <laughs> Let them out. Let my people out. Oh, oh yeah. my God. You a, have to share. What a disaster. Um, this is. Back. Okay. <laughs> well, we should wrap this up before. Yeah. This has been the best it, it podcast we've ever recorded. Yeah. <laughs> just so you know. Of all time. Or not um yeah let's wrap this up and we'll be back and when we do come back uh it'll be probably the last episode we record before yeah the election yeah. um and really 
Well, before, I guess, the final day of the election, because my my suspicion is we will not have any sort of result after that. Uh, and I don't know how long it'll take for us to get a result. One doesn't know if it'll be the end of the month, if it'll be December, January, February, perhaps never. I, I get to um, do some TV thing that night. Um, and I'm sure Matt's probably doing it too, but we should maybe uh, squeeze in some Zoom shit maybe in there at that night because that'd be fun to, to, yeah. to do. For our Patreon yeah. people, not for you cheap fuckers. We, we hope. Yeah. Wait. Oh, so you guys are going to be doing TV like live in studio in New York? I am going to be um, a little bit. Yeah. So I don't know what the time mm. is, but 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 I'm just not going to be all night. Um, mm. But I think that that we should maybe think of doing a Zoom thing or something like that that night. Yeah. Yeah. Night. Um, yeah. I'll be and, I'll be in an un- undisclosed location. Oh. Uh, and for the Patreon <laughs> folks, uh, we will uh, we'll be talking about some other stuff. Between now and then. Yeah, yeah, we got some Patreon stuff coming up, but um, you know, it's it's just hard. It's hard in this election yeah. season with all this, you know, jerking off and all this, you know, <laughs> it's hard to keep up. I'm like, I want to talk about this, and Matt's like, it's I, I am too. It hurts me too. I'm, I'm emotionally scarred from it, and he doesn't want to talk. And then Camille is yeah, off in his fucking private island. Where are you living though? Mm. The, I, I live in Brooklyn, man. No, you don't I live in Brooklyn. It's just do. lies. Just I do indeed live in Brooklyn. Lies. Flipping Prospect Heights. Flipping come houses. Find me. No, come find me. You flip, you're you done soon, so we're going we're to stay in the streets. <laughs> you, know, you know where to find me. You know where I'm at. I was in, I, I said this the other day, I was in the city um, last night, and uh, I was in uh, uh, the Bedford-Stuyvesant uh, section of Brooklyn, and mm. uh, uh, I was trying to drive down the street, and there was, uh, the whole block was, was roped off. Because uh, yeah. and I opened the citizen. I've been somebody was shot. But, you know, it looked like it was a, somebody was shot, right? And so, yeah. um, about an hour later, they had winded up the tape and they'd gone away. And then twenty minutes after that, pop, 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 two people shot. So then on that block, within six oh, wait, hours, you heard it. Yeah, yeah, you heard it yeah, down there. Uh huh. And then um, it was, I was on. I was wait. Bl- you were down there like on Stuyvesant. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly, and, and then um, uh, it was I mean, on. It was, my, it was my old neck of the woods. Yeah, it was on. Yeah. It was on Malcolm X, and um, yeah, and, it's just a block over. Yeah, block over, and uh, there was five shots, and then it was like, um, maybe I should go out to West Egg, um, and <laughs> yeah. then literally this, I texted somebody this place. I came, I came to the house, and I, I pulled up, <laughs> and I opened and walked into the yard, and three bunnies just ran, you know, across the lawn, waving to me. And said, "Have a nice podcast." And they went into the woods, and I was like, "Oh, it's nice out here." And nobody got shot, as far as I know. Um, dead. And you know, it's it's a different life, and I'm very happy. Um, Camille was out and came out and visited, and um, he mm-hmm. uh, he he pointed out that I I, I seemed happy or happier, mm-hmm. which is on the scale of happy is probably still pretty low. But uh, yeah. but yeah, so Camille, find a new place to mm-hmm. live, and I'm telling you, come out here, come out okay. here. Come on, yeah, here, man. well, may may come out there for a couple weeks. Come on, a couple weeks. Come on, let's go. Yeah, and uh, I've uh, secured you and us uh, lodging and studio space in Manhattan. We'll talk about that. Later. Oh yeah, that's right. Good. Yes, I've I know about that. And um, yeah, then we we should do that and do 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 an in person one. I love that we're recording this podcast and it's almost like we're having a meeting. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. well start jerking off. <laughs> 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 All right. All right. Bye. 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 We know of new methods of attack. The Trojan Horse.